Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Nigel Risner, aka Chief Zookeeper. Welcome. Good morning to you. How are we? I'm very well, thank you. So how long have you been a Chief Zookeeper? How long have I been a Chief Zookeeper? Slightly different to how long I've been doing what I've been doing. So I've been on the road for exactly 23 years and I became the Chief Zookeeper about... 17 years ago, having done a presentation at Whipsnade Zoo, which I'll talk about a bit later on. So always been a motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, and then I moved into communication and leadership slightly later, but now the chief zookeeper. And why is zookeeping so important to you? So a better question is, why is communication so important for you? And then it will lead on to zookeeping. So I did a a podcast recently with one of the world's leading futurists. And he said in his introduction, communication is one of the most important tools in the world. And I answered him back by saying, can you tell me something that's more important than communication? And he flustered because he was a futurist and his left side of his brain was trying to find the right answer. He went, no, there's nothing more. I said, so we can finish this interview with communication is the number one tool. So In in any area in life, communication is key. I then happened to be doing a presentation at Whipsnade Zoo for the Junior Chamber of Commerce. And I saw a man walking with a long trestle table on wheels. I can't think of the word, you know, a long trolley, but with with nine different buckets. And on each bucket was labelled different animals. And he was obviously a zookeeper because it had the bat on his brown overall. And I had this aha moment, which is what everyone does at some level in their lives, where I thought, this guy's feeding the right food to different animals to get the best response from them, so they they are looked after in the best way. And at that point, I'd been doing communication programs, and I thought, I wonder if we knew what food to feed our people, if we knew what people's personal needs were, and we supported people in their need, what life would be like. And I had the moment where I thought if I could become a zookeeper to people and I fed the different categories, and so I have monkeys in my zoo and I have lions, elephants and dolphins, and I fed them the appropriate food, how would they respond? And the results over the last 17 years have been life-changing because I'm a massive monkey. So even today, you know, we, we had the podcast that should have started about 12 minutes ago. But as a monkey, I, told, I, I hadn't forgotten. But I just couldn't remember where the links were. And I was praying there'd be a phone call from somebody. Because in my diary, this is what monkeys have got. Podcast. That's all it said. So I knew I had a podcast at 10 o'clock. And I finished my walk around the park at 5 to 10. Because for a monkey, that's plenty of preparation time. Now, if I was an elephant, I, would have, I wouldn't have gone walking 
till either much later or I'd have left at five in the morning. I would have had notes. I'd have known exactly who Amy Rollinson was. I'd have had the whole background. I'd have filled in the questionnaire that you sent me, which I never did. And I'd have prepared and I would have lists of questions getting ready for answers that might be needed. And I'd have focused on the why. But I don't do that. But elephants need that. The dolphins just want to make sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has a lovely time. We head tilt when we talk. And the lions would have been all about them. It's nothing about anyone else. And it's all about me and why I'm so phenomenal. And I realized very quickly that if you could work out people's personality traits and you fed them the food they wanted, life is simple. And why those four animals? Well, that's again, because I'm a bit of a monkey, I made a slight mistake because it would have been much easier. Instead of a dolphin, I'd have had a giraffe. But I really wanted to find animals that the traits were them. So monkeys are a bit free flowing. Most of the time, they jump from tree to tree. They don't really focus very well. They're a bit cheeky. They're a bit naughty. And then the lions who are, you know, the main characters in the Serengeti and they hunt well. Their teamwork is amazing. But there is a senior lion and there are lionesses that do most of the work. And then the elephants that plod but have a system over 50 years, they know where the water holes are. They go the same path. They meet up with people. And then the dolphins, which, and I'd been at Windsor Safari Park literally the week before, who are very joyful and who make a big smile on everyone's faces. And as long as they're looked after, but they're always caring about other animals. Forget the other side of dolphins, which is about rape and sexual problems, because that's a whole different, I hadn't gone that far in it. But it means it's awfully difficult when I try and get any. So I get lots of masks and I get lots of items. You can never get the dolphin in the same style as the lion, monkey and elephant because they're part of the famous five. So I made a slight mistake, but now I've got it in my books, and my personality assessment tools, dolphins it's going to be. I'll talk about the other nine animals at another time, but I have, I've just introduced more animals to the zoo for personality traits. But they're the four dominant styles and if you go back to Socrates, 532 BC, when he had four lines of blood, then you had Carl Jung with four, and then you've got Myers, Briggs, Belbin, Disc. Most of them have four categories. I just try to make mine really simple. And the big difference of mine is all about being an effective zookeeper, not worrying about which animal you are. So too often people come back to me, they're a driver, they're a lemon, they're a, a spanner, or they're a red. I, I don't know what it means. What you really want to do is be a phenomenal zookeeper. So like you are, as a podcast queen, you ask the right questions to the animals there are. So you're asking me nice, simple questions because you know I'm a monkey and they're not in depth and I can understand. If I was a real elephant, you'd have sent me 48 questions in advance, knowing I'd probably read them and digest them. As a monkey, I never, ever read questions in advance. And then I free flow, which means I often make a mistake and I forget certain things. But because you're such a perfectionist and you will probably remind me of the things I should be mentioning, it will be fine. I feel under pressure here now. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> so uh, as a monkey, how has that helped you to communicate to the audience? OK, so there's the first minor mistake. So uh, if I was a monkey, it would be terrible because as a monkey, I can be inappropriate. I do some sexist jokes some racist jokes and that's where you have to be really careful because as a monkey we get a, we think we can get away with it and the answer is you can't so I've had to really rein in some of my head thoughts 
Because, you know, I'm looking at you. There's a picture just above your right shoulder of you in another world where you obviously had changed pictures, whatever. So I'm looking at that. And there's I can make a sarcastic comment, OK? And the monkey's army wants to. The zookeeper, though, says, be professional. So the game is, doesn't matter what the animals are. I mean, as a monkey, there are big advantages. I can come onto a Zoom call with you literally eight seconds beforehand and free float. And I'm not under any illusions of panic, worry. I travel the world. I'm going to show you my phone here with one thing. Are you ready for this? This is all I travel the world with. A memory stick. I travel the world. That's my whole office. So I have a phone and a memory stick. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, I just write on the walls. And I have written on many walls in many hotels around the world, including the Ritz. And, you know, because that's just what monkeys do. The big advantage of being a monkey, in short, is I don't take life too seriously. I don't panic about things. So, you know, if you'd have been 10 minutes late, you weren't, by the way. But if you were, I'd be okay with it. There's bigger problems in the world, but lions and elephants would have been really annoyed because you obviously weren't professional. To me, there are bigger problems in the world. As a dolphin, I'd have worried, made sure, and I'd go, are you okay? But as a monkey, it's fine. So the, the advantage of being a monkey is I'm relaxed. The problem is I'm not detailed enough. So if you ask me at the end of this interview, could I send an appraisal of my speech? This is what I'd say, yes. And then it, I'm never going to send it. And so there's a problem there that you need to work with other people. So I have a chief elephant officer. So she's the CEO. That's her title. And she does all the logistical stuff. And it's not that she can't speak. She likes all the other stuff but speaking. I only like speaking. So in a perfect partnership, you have an elephant working with a monkey and you have a lion who's a little bit selfish working with a dolphin who's caring. But if you really want to be phenomenal, you have to put the special hat on that says zookeeper. Brilliant. So as a zookeeper, you're, you're talking about communication being the most important tool in the world. And in relationships. In relationships. In everything. And you're quoting Socrates, you're quoting Jung. Why do you focus on the communication? What is it that you've become so interested in? So there are certain groups of people who are coders who have loved this pandemic. So in theory, they haven't got to work with anybody. They're in an office somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know if you saw yesterday, Barbados is offering a year's residency for people who are remote workers. So in theory, you could fly off to Barbados with your computer, work in a way without talking to anybody, have sunshine. And those people who are literally coders onto a computer, they don't need anybody. That's a very small percentage of the world. Because in theory, all of us have to communicate at some level. As a baby, you know, we communicated to get our mother's attention or father's, but traditionally our mother's attention because we wanted to be fed. So at one, two days old, we started communicating. Then our mothers realised that they were just crying out for attention. So they got told, leave them for a little bit. So now the child in their mind thinks, when I cried previously, I got my attention. That didn't work, so I need to do something else. So at the most basic age, then I saw a program about puppies. Puppies are born blind, 
they virtually not move very far, but they have a, a hormone. They, 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 they can smell a hormone from their, from their mother and they can find the teat to get milk from because that's communication in that sense. So at the earliest days of our lives, we have to communicate. And then as we grow up, do you remember your very first date, Amy? Hmm. Yes. Can't be that long ago. You're not that old, so it can't be that long ago. <laughs> it's quite a long time ago. But that, that start of communication, whether you were 9, 11, playground, 13, 14, when you went out on the first date and your boyfriend didn't call you or girlfriend didn't call you, you then did what's called silent communication. Now, I don't know if you've read any of Brené Brown's work, but she has a great line that says, the stories we tell ourselves. So we do self-communication. So we, so the phone hasn't rung and you're checking your phone because he said he would call the following day. We then start building up communication and internally we obviously say, well, if I was pretty enough, he would have called. If I was good enough, he would have called. If I was sexual enough, he would have called. And we start building all that. And that's internal communication, but that affects our external communication. So now the next time a boy rings or a girl rings, we then put in a defense mechanism because we don't want to get hurt. And that's communication just in a different way. So the whole of our lives, we're into communication. And the better you can understand that your opinion of me doesn't determine my worth. But when we're growing up, I'm looking for you to tell me this is the best podcast you've ever done. If I have low self-esteem, I need your approval. If I have high self-esteem, and just for the record, I've just had my first booking live for the 1st of September to 280 teachers booked. I literally came in a couple of, a couple of hours ago. I'm like on cloud nine. I've been doing Zoom calls since the 22nd of March. My whole diary got cancelled like yours probably did. So my self-esteem was like, so nobody wants me. Then you realise it's the world. So now I don't feel so bad. Now one school wants me and somebody loves me. And all of a sudden I feel on top of the world. Because what happens is our internal brain and the, our internal communications, if somebody thinks I'm good enough, I must be good enough. And that affects your communication. You know, I don't know if you've ever had an afternoon when you're just on your own, where the phone doesn't ring, there are no kids or husband or relationships, there's just you on your own. And then there's one phone call that comes in and you see it's a number you know, and you either get worried or you're excited. They haven't said a word yet. That's internal communication. And their first line will determine your response. So when my mother used to call, she go, are you okay? I thought I was fine till you asked me that question. When my wife says everything's fine, I know it's not. So language and communication are so important that if we could decipher what people are actually saying and listen and not respond with a negative or a positive content to have actually heard. So your question might focus on why. Why is that word so important? You know, I, I'm not going to swear. But there are certain swear words that people take massive offence to. Why? It's just a word, but it depends how it's taken. So all of communication is much more important than we think. And if you want to be a great leader, you need to be able to communicate to your team. You want to be a great parent, you need to talk to your children. Do you have children, Amy? I do. They're 17 and 15. Okay, so your first child is much more lion elephant and your second child is much more monkey dolphin. Yes. Do you know why? Okay, so when your first child, when you had your first child and they fell over, 
how quickly did the ambulance, the SAS, all get invited in to help out? Because, oh, my God, there's a problem. Yeah. The second child falls over, get up. What are you crying about? There's probably no photographs or videos of your second child. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad, but, yeah, but but much less. Yes, but because the first child was spoiled because they were precious. They were like the Lion King. You remember they lift up the Lion King? And the second child has to learn to do things in a different way. Second children are very, very often much more creative and understand what they need to do. But they often will be a pain in the ass to their sibling because they want attention. So they take their toy away or they they, they upset the, the equilibrium. So I'm a second child, as you can probably imagine. So what were you doing before you became a zookeeper? So let's go right back. If, if we go, Let's see if I can do this in four minutes. So I left school just before I was 16 and joined a finance company. And within about three minutes, I found my place. I had a major car accident when I was 15, so I didn't really take my exams. So that was my excuse for not doing well in my O-levels. So I got two GCSEs or O-levels. I got religious knowledge and I got business studies. So spiritually, I understood what was going on and I had a good business sense. But maths, English, biology, I failed. So I joined this finance company for about two and a half years. I was in my absolute element. I understood commercial finance in about 10 minutes. I understood how the phones worked. I understood about schmoozing and bullshitting in a way. And if you responded quickly to a client, you got great response. And at 17, I hired my first member of staff to work for me, which was kind of interesting because obviously they were all older than me because you, there weren't many under 17-year-olds under in the workplace. And very quickly, I understood what an office was like. I then got bored, which is classic monkey behavior. And um, I went to Israel to study hotel management. After three days, I was bored and realized hotel management wasn't for me. And I started playing tennis and coaching tennis. And then I became a tennis coach and I played professionally for two years. And then I got a phone call from a bank to join them back in England, who I had worked with in my finance days. So I left Israel in a hurry, came back to England, and I worked for a bank for about nine months, and then they closed the department down, and I got involved in the most unbelievable job in the world for a commercial bank. I was involved in collections. So we repossessed commercial premises, and I have repossessed a castle. I have repossessed some really weird things. And we had a, so if you can imagine a bank, you've got a lending team, accounts team, banking, and then you've got the rough lot of collections. So when it all goes wrong, we would get sent in. Now, I was 21 years old or 20 years old doing collections of some heavy stuff, being chased down Manchester High Street by two Indian restaurant owners that didn't think I should be repossessing their restaurants. So I've had some life experiences. And then the creme de la creme, I saw an advert in a newspaper for a, a finance broker that was needed an estate agent that sold nursing and residential homes, who I had worked with in a previous life. And I was nearly 21, and I told this guy I didn't want to work for him, but I'd set up a separate company. And he said he had a company already, and I could be the general manager of this company. And it had £12.80 in, and I became the general manager of Steepfold Limited, which was not a great name for a finance company. So we changed the name to Millbourne, which is where my parents lived in Isha. And within minutes, I again had found my world. 
So I was arranging commercial finance for nursing homes, residential homes, pubs and hotels. I then created an insurance division to insure the premises. And then I set up a private lending division for any client that was like £5,000 short. And within five years, I had built up the largest independent finance company in the UK. And then my partner got bought out of his estate agency. If you know much about estate agents, in the late 80s, everyone was being bought out. And he got bought out. And then I decided I was going to buy him out. Big mistake. But my ego got in the way. And I didn't understand what I know now. So I tried to buy him out. And I got a mafia team of ex-PLC chairmen. And he put in £12.80 and I bought him out for £2.5 cash. And I then became the shareholder and I sold shares to an outside investment team. And that was the beginning of a major problem because instead of having just one person to work with, I had a team of investors. And I didn't know what I know now, but a team of investors want different things. A team of investors want communication. A team of investors want regular updates. A team of investors want regular monthly board meetings. This was me doing a board meeting. Hi, how are you? Everyone all right? And they wanted like quarterly numbers. And it was an absolute disaster. And we lost millions. And I got the company back to a break even. And I resigned from my own business, walked out with one month's money and started all over again from home. What was interesting that when I was starting all over again, with nothing, by the way, I knew a lot about the world. I'm trying to get this in the right way. But I knew what I didn't want, which was really interesting. And I think I found out my why without knowing my why. What I wanted to do was to work with people I liked. And still today, I only work with people I like. And I wanted to have fun in what I was doing. And I, and I live in North London, and my office was in Surrey. So I was spending two hours a day virtually traveling each way. And what I loved was being at home, which is ironic that 23 years later, I'm now working at home doing Zoom calls. So, I, you know, the year before last, I did 160 presentations in 30 countries. And although I love it, and I love getting on a plane, and I like turning left on planes, and I like being treated well, I quite, I've quite enjoyed being at home and being at home with my daughter. We have dinner at 7.30. There are some things I don't enjoy that at the end of this interview, you're going to press leave. And I'm just going to look at a blank screen and go, nobody loves me. Um, but what I've realized is small teams managed well, led well. So you manage things and you lead people. And that was my big aha moment. that You can't manage people. You can just lead people. And when you lead people well as a Zoomkeeper, I nearly said a Zoomkeeper there, did you notice? I did hear that, yeah. I was, I was hoping you didn't hear. <laughs> but a bit of an elephant in you there coming out. Yes, I, you hit the head. But as a Zoomkeeper on Zoom, if you lead people well and you know their personal needs, you get a phenomenal team. I didn't understand that with my finance company. So I had 75 staff in five different offices, and I, I had no idea they had different needs. So I just paid them more and more money. And my people were paid, I mean, literally 60, 70, 80,000 in 1986, 1987, 98. That's a lot of money when you think about it. 25 years ago, that's the type of money I was paying. And I just paid them more money thinking that must be the answer. I didn't know their why. 
I didn't know my why. I just thought if I paid them more money, everyone would be happy. Well, we subsequently know 25 years later, first of all development, that just giving people money isn't the answer. So you may or may not know, I have a slight passion for chocolate. Now that is a cool bar of chocolate here. It's not been opened yet. But when somebody sends me a bar of chocolate, even when it just says, thank you, that's as good as a fee, not entirely. I mean, the best thing you can do for the poor, not be one of them. But that concept for me, that when someone knows my personal needs, so you might just be able to see behind me, Diet Coke. But that Coke has got my whole name on. Someone found, and then I've got Diet Coke socks that were sent to me. Now, these are people that are quite clever. They've realized my personal needs. They trust me, a bit like what you've done with me, and I'm really grateful that you've just trusted me to do a podcast with you. So people that trust me, they send me chocolate. They understand my personal needs. I'm virtually there. Obviously, money has a place. Don't get me wrong. But if I don't get chocolate and I don't get looked after and I'm not trusted, I know we don't have a relationship. So going back to the original question, that still today, you know, when I became a speaker, I thought they needed lots and lots of content. They need that. They don't need lots of content. They need the right content, and less is more. So when I came up with the zookeeper theory, and I used to say to people, "How many of you have ever done personality profiling?" and everyone would say yes. And I said, "Well, tell me what I am." They go, "Well, I need you to fill in the form." I said, "You don't. You just need to listen to my communication. And if you listen really well, so do you know how to spell listen, Amy?" Mm, well, literally, yes. But I, I've got a feeling. <laughs> Tell me how you spell it. L-I-S-T-E-N. Yeah, so the last three letters is a clue about how much listening you need to do if you're a great communicator. Otherwise, if you listen to the old formula of two ears, one mouth, it will be called list two. I mean, and seriously, the best listeners are the best communicators. So deaf people can be great communicators because they have to listen to every word that's being said because they can't lose focus. So in a long, in a short version, I now spend my life working with clients. I've left a tiny bit out, which I'm sure we'll get back to. But I spend my life working with clients by listening to their pain and finding out why they're not working on their why as such. And the reason they're not working on their why is because they're busy managing their company, not leading their company. So they're five. So I have a phrase in my office that says, it doesn't matter who started the fire. Let's put it out. And then we'll have the conversation. And it's interesting you talk about pain because with your pain, losing the business or or having to step away from the business out of that actually has your purpose has arisen. Well, and then again, so let's go to the next stage. So I start my own finance company at home. And then about three years into working from home, my wife and I started having some personal problems and we both went on personal development courses. And that was a massive eye-opener to me because I had no idea that there was any of these psychological issues. I'd never really heard of therapy and counselling. My wife is now a child and adolescent psychotherapist. She has a master's in it. So she's gone in one direction. So she's interested in the past. I went into coaching and leadership, and I'm interested in the future. So sometimes we're sitting right here, and she wants to know where I was. I want to know where we're going, and we go back to our communication. But our lives changed when we started working on ourselves. You know, that idea, you know, to be true to yourself, you need to heal yourself first. 
and you need to understand what's going on for you before you can heal others. There are too many sales trainers who can't sell. There are too many motivational speakers who aren't motivational. There are too many business coaches who can't run a business. So we looked at a lot of ourselves, and then I asked one of my banks. So I went to the States to work with a guy called Jack Canfield, you may have heard, who writes the chicken soup for the soul books. I spent three years going backwards and forwards to Santa Barbara. And then I asked one of my banks, First National Bank, could I work with 20 of your team? And they went, of course. 18 of the 20 resigned within three months. And I realized my program was just a little bit too powerful, which wasn't a problem, but at least told me that the messages were important. I then did more and more work. And then in 2000, I gave up my finance company for the second time to go full time as a speaker. And so literally for 20 years, I have been full time delivering inspirational messages that help and support people become a better version of themselves. You can only support people. It's their choice. You know, when people say, you changed my life, I didn't change their lives. I gave them some tools and ideas and techniques. And I'm very, very big, which is, I'm so I'm going to shock you now. Do you know the biggest thing that I teach? Have a guess. It will shock you. I'll give you a million pounds if you get it right. The biggest thing that I teach. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, how to listen. No, forgiveness. Oh, okay. Good one. Yeah. Oh, damn. I was so close to that million pounds as you well. So <laughs> and I was so ready to get my wallet out here. And the reason I say that is because most people just think I'm about motivating others and about communication and zookeeping. I am. But until you forgive yourself and you forgive other people, you're a prisoner. And it's so massive for me that forgiveness is probably the biggest. So if I said to you, Amy, if you could forgive every single person, that had ever upset you right now, your business would go up 10% in the next month. What would you say if I said that to you? Well, you'd naturally, of course you'd do it. But, but, but we don't, because we'd rather be right than happy. We don't want to forgive them in case it makes them right. And so people will have done some wrong to you. The question is, how does it serve you? And so if you want to be a really good zookeeper, you need to let go of the past. You sometimes can't forget the past, but you need to let go of the past. And it's a massive thing for me. It's my biggest why. That if you can forgive yourself for things you've done wrong, you need to learn from it, by the way. So, you know, most people need to forgive their parents. Most people need to forgive an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Most people need to forgive a, a competitor. If you focus on your why, you focus on your biggest strength, you focus on what needs to be done. And if you really worked on your strengths more than your weaknesses, you'd have much more fun. If you motivate a team of idiots, what you've got is motivated idiots. What you want to motivate is the best people and release. And release really is real ease, is to release their anger. And if you, do you know, if you put a D in front of the word anger, do you know what you get? Danger. Very good. Someone said to me the other day, danger. <laughs> But, but the problem is anger and resentment get in the way. And there's a lovely line that says, resentment is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. It is just a waste of time. And too often I ask people, the biggest thing that holds you back in your best communication is your ability to forgive other people. And they go, that's just ridiculous. I say, 
when you can let go of all that heavy stuff, I'll give you a clue. This is your laugh at this. Have you been shopping recently? Not as much as I normally do, but uh, yes. Okay. Did you take all the old shopping with you when you went? No, I did not. Did you throw that stuff away so you could put new stuff in your fridge? Yeah. Next week, take all of last week's shopping that's going off at the bottom of the bag, take it into Mark Suspenses, into Waitrose, into Aldi, and put the new shopping on top and see how heavy your bag is. And then just carry it for a couple of days. Because that's what, in theory, we're doing in all of our lives, and then we communicate. Well, if you communicate with lots of heavy baggage, it's tiring and it stinks. Can I use the S word for a second? Yes. If you sit in shit, it stinks. And you would think people would get up. We don't. We just lift our head up higher, thinking it won't smell as bad. If you sit in it for long enough, you get used to it. That affects your communication. So it's so massive communication that when people say to me, well, it's, it's easy for you to say it, you can forgive. It's not complicated. If it doesn't work for you, why would you hold on to it? If I'm communicating with you and you're not understanding, what most people do is they just talk louder. Have you ever had a foreign au pair? We have. Okay. Do you remember when they first came over, they didn't understand English? You just shouted, thinking that was... I mean, what, what was the point of that? They're not deaf. I didn't, I they didn't just shout. Don't, if you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Hello! No, they're not, they're not deaf. They just don't understand what you're saying. So you've got to learn to communicate in their language, which goes back to zookeeping. Yeah. So over the 20 years that you've been delivering your messages of forgiveness to the audience, how much has the actual talk changed? Okay, so that's even more interesting. So in the last three months, I haven't done my impact speech once. I've had a brand new speech about how to be a champion in these times. So it's, it's ironic you asked that question because when I got this booking, they wanted the impact code, which is my normal speech. I went, I'll have to remember that. So uh, my communication strength, I used to run a program in the very, very beginning. Uh, the, hold on. <laughs> 10 steps to success. And then I could never remember them all. So I used to do the four steps to success and add a few more. And everyone thought I was giving them value. So I've gone from the 10 steps to success to, to the impact code, then how to be a zookeeper and how to create your perfect life. And now in a way, it's how to be a champion for you and your team. So I've reinvented myself many times. I'm on my fifth website. I'm on my fifth book i've just literally that last week a brand new personality assessment tool has come out online so the idea of me doing anything online is like foreign to me i do a podcast every week with a guy called neil martin who comes to my house because he's an elephant i he just i mean over the last three months we've done it over zoom but he, he's he, he knows how to do all this and he's got a mic like you and all this fancy equipment and lighting and i just do my bit so we've done a podcast over the last year and a half i've done an online tool all of our books are now on kindle and for the last four months literally i've done 140 zoom presentations i i mean i'm gonna to have to practice doing a live presentation and i think what's going to happen over the next five years is that big conference so i mean i've spoken up to six and a half thousand people i can't imagine ever speaking in front of six and a half thousand people again 
I can't imagine speaking in front of 500 people because I don't know where they were going to stay, where they're going to have lunch, where they're going to have dinner. We were talking about this recently. Paul Cook and Adam Stevens did a talk about the hybrid, the hybrid speaker. And this is where the future is going to be, that you are going to have some people in the room, but you're going to have to be able to deliver to both audience simultaneously. So that is a whole different level of communication again. Well, so I've been doing quite I've done quite a lot of live streaming events when I've had an audience in front of me of 50, 100. So I did something for Barclays where they sent it to all over the world. So you have to think, I can't just say, imagine this, and then you're putting your, you know, you've got to be very aware. I think because of my energy and my props, so I don't use that many slides. So I have lots of props that I use on stage. As if there's a camera on me like there is now, um, as I move back one inch, this just got sent to me. Now, how cool is that? So for the benefit of the podcast audience, it's a cushion. I forgot that. (laughs) It's a fabulous cushion, which is a Cadbury's Dairy Milk cushion with Chief Zookeeper written on it, which is great. Now, how do you think I felt when that got sent to me? I mean, again, someone has listened to my message, bought me something that's phenomenal. I get a birthday card, which I'll describe, which has loads and loads of monkeys on that's center on my desk because it just makes me smile there could have been lovely words so lots and lots of my clients send me brilliant stuff so i just use their props on stage so the more i can adapt to an audience so on zoom i could just show you this very quickly so just tell everyone what that is it's a a tiffany bag how did you know it's a tiffany bag it's the branding the blue and the white yeah yeah so you couldn't even read the words but you saw that instantly. And, and do you have any Tiffany products at home? I have. Yes, yes, I do. Okay, so can I ask you a very rude question? Is your Tiffany product, do you still have the bag? I have the box, but not the bag. Okay, is the box in your bedroom? It is. Is it on the right-hand side of your cupboard or the left-hand side? Because I can't remember why I saw it last. It's on the right-hand side. Yes, yeah, it was on the left when I was laying on this side. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, but the reason you've kept it it's because of how it makes you feel. It's just a box. It's not valuable. So most people have kept the bag, the box, the ribbon, the tissue, the little box it comes inside. So I often will talk about why do they keep all of that? Why that message that's been communicated in a box is so symbolic of Tiffany. They have a patent on that turquoise colour. So when I'm communicating why do you do what you do and what effect does what you do have on your customer to your client? So someone sending me something with a monkey is amazing. I don't drink. So someone, is, I mean, I got sent a beautiful bottle of champagne saying best speaker we've ever had. Oh, what a waste. I, me getting my diet coat with my name on it was much more important to me. The problem is the person who sent it to me was probably a lion. I thought that he'll be impressed with that. I wasn't impressed. My wife's delighted because she likes alcohol. But it didn't do much for me. So the question for you and for all of your listeners are, when you communicate, are you aware that the messages and the words that are said are a bit like a dartboard? That if you imagine throwing a dart in a dartboard, you can take the dart out, but you've left a hole. And the hole is either pain or it's glory. It's either loving or it's destructive. So we have to be aware that all of our words have power. And we are in control of the power we put out or the power we receive. 
So I'm sure I could insult you, Amy. I'm sure I could. You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to. But really, I can't insult you unless your brain says it must be true. So if I said I hate any woman who wears a blue dress and who wears headphones whilst they're talking and they start nodding into a microphone, you're either going to go, he's nuts, or how did he find it so fast? It's a choice. And that's what happens all the time with insults. So many times, somebody could insult you and you wouldn't bother you. But if your husband or your business colleague said something, how would you feel? Yeah, it's, it's about value, isn't it? And trust again. Yeah, but it, it's so sometimes certain people say certain things and it hits you like right in the gut. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because there's some element, there must be some truth in it. Because if it wasn't, it wouldn't bother you at all. And is it, I was going to say, is it always as black and white for you? No, it's not always as black and white. But I will tell you, having worked with 2 million people, 1.9 million people think it is as black and white. So there is a great always. But if you can understand the power of forgiveness, if you can communicate really well, if you know why you do what you do, and if you're willing to have some fun in what you're doing, life seems to work pretty well. There's always going to be a pandemic. And this isn't the only pandemic. We had SARS. We've had the ash cloud. We've had lots of other stuff before. So for me, this was, I'm not saying it was great, but it gave me three and a half months at home. I've never slept in my own bed for, I mean, I've slept in my own bed for 109 nights. I haven't done that in 20 years. My wife's not over impressed, but you know, it's just interesting how it works. And earlier you said you'd rather be right than happy. No, no, I didn't say that. I said most people would (laughs) rather be right than happy. I definitely want to be happy. It's interesting how you picked up on that bit. Okay. I, I was, as yeah. So when you said rather be right than happy. Most people would much rather be right than happy. So they're going to hold on to what they know, even if it's not working for them. I, I just want to be happy. So I, 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 I think, I, you know, I, I say I'm sorry a lot and I try not to make the same mistakes. And, and of course there are times, it's a bit like a part. Have you ever gone into a, a shopping mall? And you're trying to get into a parking space and someone gets in it. Well, there's there's another space somewhere. Or you can be adamant that that's my space. And then it ruins your whole shopping day. Then you have a fight with the kids and your husband. And you're not going to move your car until they move. Well, at some point, I know you're upset and slightly pissed. But would you rather be right than happy? Yes, it is my space. It's got my name on. Well, and if you times that by 100 of all the other events, by someone who was much younger had to sit at a certain part of the table. So you just let them have it. Because he'd much rather be right than happy. It was just easier. He was obviously a firstborn. You know, my daughter never ever thought about it. But there are lots of incidents like that. And you mentioned earlier about other animals joining the zoo. Who are they? So what often happens is that someone like me as a monkey, if I get really pissed, not alcohol-wise, but I get angry, I can turn nasty. Instead of being playful, I can be quite spiteful. And that's when I go into my hyena mode. And hyenas are not pleasant. That laughter they have is not done out of joy. It's before there's going to be a nasty incident. Lions turn into tigers, and they can just eat their own. Elephants can turn into rhinos. So rhinos go very solitary. They go very quiet. 
you don't hear much from them and then they charge you with documentation but the best are the dolphins so you have these sweet innocent people who are caring and nurturing and if you let them down more than twice they will turn into sharks and they will start circling and they will just pick off the weakest people and they can smell bs from two and a half miles away which is exactly what sharks do in the water so they can smell blood from miles away so the question is you have a natural style then you have a defensive style and the further you get into your defensive style the further you are from being a zookeeper so if you visualize a square and you've got four corners so you've got the monkeys in one corner the lions the elephants the dolphins as they get defensive they go further out to their corners and the zookeeper is right have you ever played squash by the way amy yes where's the place to win where's the place to stand if you want On the win? tea uh, right in the center so the zookeeper's job is to stand in the tea and to share with all the different people you can nearly reach the monkey the lion the elephant dolphin through the tea but it's really hard if they've gone far far out so when i've gone into hyena mode it takes a long time for someone to placate me because i'd rather be right than happy now you know i'm at the airport someone's taking my seat i sit in 1a i've got my gold card i can't believe it and i can feel myself going from monkey where it doesn't matter to it's my seat and now I'm, I want to cause eruption over something that's not worth it, but I've now lost it because I was playful, energetic, but I'm now tired. And you'll have had this. You come back from a speaking engagement in the afternoon and you've been speaking all day. I'm now tired. I don't want to give up my seat. I don't care. There's a family of five children and they've got whatever. I don't care. The lines now want to take over the airline. You know, do you know who I am? You know. And you just watch people lose their centre and they lose their why. You know, why is it so important? It's just a seat because they've just lost the plot. And the zookeeper then has to rein them in. And so, so if a, an air stewardess or an air steward said to me, look, here's, here's a couple of bars of chocolate. Do you mind moving to row two? I'm there. But they don't know that because they haven't worked out with me. So I often tell people, if you give me a cup of tea and a bar of chocolate really quickly, I'll be your best. I'll be your best passenger. Doesn't take much to complicate me, but sending me Bourville chocolate and giving me wine is not the answer. I hate Bourville chocolate and I don't drink. Well, there, yeah, we are. <laughs> Everyone's everyone now knows that who wants to book Nigel. <laughs> no, but but it's but it's not that complicated. No, it's not. If you understand what leadership is about. And then you understand what communication is about. And if you understand what people's why is about, and it's not that complicated. You just got to be a great communicator and ask the right questions. And the best leaders are the people who ask the best questions. Absolutely. And and, and those who actually know why they're doing what they're doing at the, <laughs> for the start. Yeah. So you let go of the past. You are all about forgiveness. You've had more jobs in four years than I can count on my notes. <laughs> uh, what What is it that's on the horizon for you next? So I think one of the things is really to get my personality assessment tool out to the world so that if we can get people that really understand. So let's go back a stage. If you trust your gut and you have a tool that really indicates what that person is, you can hire well, you can lead well, and you can coach well. So I teach a lot about having a gut diary. So, you know, I wrote down just before you got here in my gut diary, 
it will all be fine. I hope she calls me. Okay. Because as I've already said, I, I, I couldn't find the notes. I couldn't find the details, but I knew it would work out fine. And you didn't panic because normally I'd have people sending me 500 emails. Where are you? Whatever. And I already knew it would be fine because you were quite relaxed about it. So my, my gut diary said, she'll be relaxed. And it has been. But there are other times I've got people I've write down, this will be a little bit tense. And so I just have to remember that. And then at the end of every week, I look at my gut diary and just check how accurate it's been. I will tell you, the better you are at having a gut diary and trusting your gut, the better you are at trusting yourself. So when you trust yourself, because you have experience of your gut, so if you know much about the gut, you, you have a, a nerve that goes from the side of your right cortex down to your, to your gut, or the vagus nerve and the more you trust your nerve and you trust yourself the better life is so if you trust yourself you forgive yourself and you communicate well life is a party and and is that connected to the limbic brain which is sort of where your why comes from yeah that's slightly different because that's on one side of your cortex that's telling you does this feel right and and you've got to play with different ideas until it feels right but once it feels right, you then just got to trust yourself to work on your why. So this is going to sound a bit weird. I only work with people who are nice. I don't want to. I don't want to work with people that don't want to trust me. I don't want to work with people that don't want to play with me. That's why when people say, "If you're going to return the questionnaire with your answers, I know it's going to be awful because they don't trust me and they don't trust themselves." And how do you measure nice? Uh, gut feeling. And so I get it wrong twice a year. But it means I get it right 98% of the time. And if if I if my life, see, as a monkey, 98% is a phenomenally high number. If I can get it right 98% of the time, and I impress my clients 98% of the time, so you, I know you're going to find this strange, hard to believe. I upset 2% of my clients because I'll either drop the F word, I'll drop the P word, um, the S word. I put an E at the end. It doesn't sound so bad. But I'll upset the odd person. Because that's just my natural style. It doesn't mean it's right, by the way. But 98% of my clients love what I do and they rebook me. So I'm going to go with that. And the 2% that don't get me just don't get it. Understand? You can't be, you can't be everything to everyone. You can just be the best version of yourself to most people. So I'm sure you've done hundreds of podcasts and there's a couple of people you finish thinking, well, thank God we, can, we don't have to put that out. <laughs> And this might be one of them. But what I'm just saying is, but you've got to put it out there. Not everyone is going to like your style. Not everyone's going to like my style. And I'm okay with that. And on that note, how would people get in touch with them, you if you they would like to book you? Um, if they want to go to nigelrisner.com, N-I-G-E-L-R-I-S-N-E-R.com, they can. We also have a free personality assessment on our website. They go under the theory section. They can quickly, literally 20 seconds, find out what animal they are. And then when they're ready for the big test, which is 40 pages, that's when they're really going to get an in-depth indication of who they are. Brilliant. Now, I've bought your book several times. Why have I bought it several times? Because I lend it out to people and I never get it back. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you know why you don't get it back? Because it's like a party. It's like a party trick at the party when people start deciding which animal they are. Yes, exactly. And they're like, oh, interesting. I'll keep this. Keep hold of this. Yeah. So, yes, I, 
I, I now keep a list of who who's got my book, so I can say keep, keep giving them out, and keep buying more books. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. You'd say that, right? <laughs> but it is it is worth looking at. So you said you've got a late, latest book out. Uh, you've got five books. So just go through what those are. Okay, so so my original book, which you, people can't see because it's on a podcast, is the Impact Code. Yeah, that was my original work, which was uh, done by Wiley Capstone. So. It's, it's my favourite work because it's everything that I talk about. And then we did It's a Zoo Around Here, which was my zoo, which is two toilet sitting reading. Yes, easy. Then we went a bit advanced. So the new book that's just come out is Zookeeper Rules for the Office. So we've got all the new animals in it. It's been hard work because it took me 12 years to finish it. Wow. Because there was lots of research to do. And as a monkey, I got bored. We, we used to have a book, we used to do a lot of talking on networking called You Had Me at Hello. Do you remember Jerry Maguire? I love that film. Yeah. Well, so we used to do a lot on networking. We've changed it slightly now. And my best ever book, which I love, but nobody else does, is 10 Rules Are Better Than, 10 Heads Are Better Than One, drawn on goal setting. And that's where the why all comes up, because it's not just about what you want. It's about how do you get what you want and what's important spiritually, mentally, emotionally. So I've enjoyed writing. I think I'm all written out. And then having done a personality assessment tool that has just been, I'm not an online person, but everything you do online has to be done in a very different way. So you have to make it very easy for people to connect, then very easy for people to pay, and then very easy for them to download. It's too much for a monkey. So I have elephants that run it for me. And you mentioned that 10 heads are better than one. You love that. But why do people, why did you say people don't like it? Because you've got to do a bit of work with it. Oh, effort. Yeah. You've got to think about why this, when you think about your why and you really, and you really hone in on your why, it's phenomenal. But you've got, you've got to do a bit of work. Whereas most people are lazy when they read. They just want to read the information. Hopefully it sinks in. But when people buy 10 heads, they actually come back and say, I can't believe I didn't know about this book. Well, it was virtually the first book I ever wrote. So there's a bit of emotional stuff with that. But I don't do many talks on my why. And I don't do any talks on goal setting anymore. Ironically, I'm doing one tomorrow as a, as a stranger, which is interesting because I haven't done one for years. So I'm, I'm going to have to quickly read the book. <laughs> brush up, brush up on your goal setting. Well, Nigel, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And do you have a final message for the audience? Yeah, here we go. You ready for this? If you're in the room, be in the room. And if you're on Zoom, be on Zoom. Most people's mind is elsewhere. And I will tell you now, the more you can be in the room with people, the more you can listen to people, the more you can communicate with those people and make them feel loved. So, Amy, you're going to like this. The only person who I've loved in the last hour is you. Oh, thank you. But there's a serious reason, because you were here. My kids aren't here. So me loving my kids in the last hour is a waste of time. They're not thinking about me. They were here yesterday with me, and I loved them more than you then, Amy. Just thought I'd share that with you. But for the last hour, you'd be my favourite person in the world. And if you could really get that message through to people, that the people you're on Zoom with, the people you're on Microsoft Team with, when you do face-to-face meetings, they're the important people. But too often we're looking over our shoulder to what's next. Be in the room and your life will change. 
Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.